Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. <laughs> I'm David Max. And thank you for listening. David, how you doing? <laughs> Tyler Smith just did his little uh like a like Jake LaMotta in the mirror thing. <laughs> like preparing himself. <coughs> well, it's you know, it's a big day. It's a, you know, for the podcast and I wanted to get into character well, and, first thro- we, and throw it to you. Yeah. First off, we should apologize. We're both uh well, Tyler is still a little sick. Yes, I was sick recently, but I'm still a little stuffed up. So, right, there's not. Do not attempt to adjust your dials. There's nothing wrong right. with the audio. We're both just uh, sound very stuffed up. Um, oh, and special thanks to uh, Mike Siegel for yes uh, and Pilar and Pilar Alessandro for uh, coming back on the show. And uh, it was a lot of fun talking to uh, both of them. Uh, but first things first, David. All right, enough. Let's not polish other people's laurels here. All right, we've got. Uh, We've got some some big uh, some big news. I don't know that that saying is that a saying? To po- I, I guess it makes sense. Oh, to, I've to heard polished laurels. I've heard uh, uh, sitting on your resting on your laurels. I've heard. Yeah. Uh, I've heard both. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's if we say big news, it sounds like something they should be excited about. They should. <laughs> um, here's the deal, you guys. Um, we've been doing uh, pretty well lately, which is good. Yep. Um, and. Uh, we've been getting a lot of traffic at our website, That's right. which is, is, is good. Yeah. Uh, but we, because of these things, we we're gonna need, we're gonna buy some new equipment. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna we need more bandwidth on our on our website. Uh, we we got money problems. That's right, guys. Um, you know, this uh, I, this costs us money. It's always cost us a little bit of money. Yeah. Uh, but we hope to get better. I know this is episode eighty, and uh, but. I still feel like we have a lot of room to grow, and not in a bad way. I'm just I, I just look forward to us continuing to get better. That's odd. This. I think we've topped out. I think <laughs> this is uh, I think this is as good as we're gonna get. Um, so all, all of this is just a prelude to asking you all for money. We've set right. up a a, a a donate button on the uh, on on the homepage of the website. Right. Um, it's through PayPal, but you don't have to have a PayPal account. Yeah, which is nice. I didn't. Uh, I, you know. I, I've I've paid for things through PayPal before, and I didn't like that I had to sign up for it. But this, mm-hmm. uh, you just need a credit card. Uh, you don't need to be a, a member of PayPal. And uh, yeah, and I'm sure some of you have been conditioned that you heard us talking about money. You thought that we were going to be changing our format. <laughs> and uh, no. no, don't worry. We uh, our numbers yeah. haven't gotten that good yet. Right. We we haven't. Uh, we we don't have any illusions about uh, our level of uh, popularity. But no, um, yeah, we will continue to provide a free podcast once a week, right? Um, ad infinitum. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if we're ever going to stop. <laughs> I thought we would have run out of ideas by like episode fifty, uh-huh. uh, but uh, apparently not. Well, maybe we maybe we have, but uh, <laughs> we just keep talking. But uh, but yeah, so um, so yeah, you just go to the battleshippretension dot com. Battleshippretension dot com. Scroll down the to the bottom page. of the page if you don't yeah. see it. Yeah, it's don't okay. Give up. Don't yeah, give up. you could you can just scroll down, right? Uh, and uh, yeah, just you know, give uh, give whatever whatever you feel inclined to do. Um, so we yeah. would appreciate it, and it'll help us bring you. Uh, in theory, it'll help us bring you a more professional, better podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. Because uh, as David said, we do. Uh, you know, this does cost a certain amount of money, and uh, and this would enable us to. Along with getting more bandwidth, we might be able to upgrade the website and add some more uh, and some get some more get some new equipment and get some uh, badly needed new equipment. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, uh, 
th- I guess that's all we'll say. We might mention it uh, now and then to remind you. You know, like <laughs> next week, if you hear us talking about it again at the top of the show, it means you haven't sent enough. <laughs> so uh, be on the be on the lookout for that. But uh, but enough about that. How, who can talk about money at a time like this, David? I. Yeah, I know. I know what you're referring to. But first, yeah. I want to say I had a great day today. You had a great day. Why did you have a great day? Because I finally unpacked all my shit in my new apartment. That's right. I am set up. I live in my new apartment right now. Instead David of just has a, a great new apartment. I really, uh, I, it's, I'm jealous. It's in the shadow of Paramount Studios. That's right. Uh, film fans, you'll you'll be uh, you'll be happy to know I'm living right alongside the uh, the only studio, major studio that maintains its lot in Hollywood. That's right. Uh, they didn't so, yeah. sell out and move to Burbank or anything. Or Culver City. Or st- well, yeah. Okay. They didn't move to... Culver City has always been like... Right. <laughs> anyway. But, um, but yeah. So, uh, well, I'm glad. You know, I helped you. We, uh, you, you did most of the moving last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a nice place. I'm happy for you. How, I'm, sure, I'm sure a lot of the listeners are wondering just how are you doing these days? I'm doing pretty well. I'm right. I'm keeping my eyes on the prize, you know. I'm I'm accentuating the positive and eliminating the negative. Are you messing with Mr. In Between? I've been thinking about it. All right. <laughs> I would suggest you don't. Okay. But that's me. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Um that aside, uh today's is uh it's 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 not a good day for film fans. No. Uh Paul Newman has passed. Yeah. And uh and I've you know, w- apparently we should have been expecting it uh, based on what I've seen in supermarkets, uh, uh, tabloids and stuff. They would show pictures of him like sitting uh, very gaunt on his huh. front porch, like in a wheelchair and stuff. And he certainly looked old. But, uh, you know, and, and it said like, oh, Newman dying of cancer. I'm like, I don't believe you. Why? I don't believe anything they say. But I guess they were right. Uh, yeah, I on know. This, on this count. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um we don't talk. We haven't talked much about Paul Newman on this show. If anything, we have kind of insulted him a little bit uh, in the Hustler because we've talked about the. Oh, Hustler because we talked about bit. yeah, I didn't like it very um, much. And and we did get a suggestion to profile him uh, today, but uh, we're not going to do that. We're going to profile someone else. But I did. But we should talk about him a little bit. Yeah. Um, he was. Uh, yeah, he was an actor who, when he started out. You know, he he kind of did that. He he kind of was from the Marlon Brando, and I'd say even more the James Dean school of acting, where it's just emote as hard as you can. Uh, and then as he got older, he really started to mellow out, and he started to. I mean, I'd say he was a very minimalist actor. You know, I mean, if you look at him in like The Verdict uh, or Absence of Malice, uh, you know, or a spe- there's a great movie called Nobody's Fool that came out in '94, right. and, and he's amazing in that. Uh, but he really started dialing everything way down. Like if you were to look at him in in uh, Nobody's Fool or Road to Perdition, and then look at him in The Hustler, I mean, it'd be hard to believe it's the same guy. Yeah, but it's not. He didn't make The Hustler bad. It, no, not it's at not all. bad. It's just right. not that great, in my right. opinion. His he's but I mean, because his really difficult lines to work with. I mean, because he's he's not really reining it in in Cool Hand Luke, but right. that's a great great movie. Right. Yeah, uh, I mean he. Uh, have we done an episode on movies about men, like m- like movies that men love? Have we uh, done our Maxim episode? Well, I uh, well I didn't have any ideas for next week, but uh, <laughs> I think we do now. Maybe we should do that because um, Cool yeah. Hand Luke is. Uh, my dad showed it to me when I was probably too young. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, it's definitely f- helped form my idea of what a man is. 
Yeah, my uh, my dad's second favorite movie of all time was Jeremiah Johnson, which I never saw. Uh, but uh, maybe if I maybe if I had, I wouldn't have chosen such a such a wimpy profession. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, th- I think we should. Yeah, we should talk about that next week. Stay tuned, listener. And um, uh, what what better actor? Than, I mean, Paul Newman was a very uh, yeah. Even in the Hustler, we should not we should st- stop coming back to the Hustler because yeah. it's like a movie we don't like. But uh, I like the Hustler, but right. but his performance is a little overwrought. But he's given overwrought. But material. he's uh, he's often playing like paragons of manliness. Absolutely, you know. And but I, not I, in like the, not in like a like a like a cheap, shallow like Sylvester Stallone way, you right. know. Like was, I mean, yeah, look at I mean, in Road to Perdition, that's a great example. I mean, he's he's old, you know, and he's yeah. he's not uh, he's not out there on the front lines doing anything himself, right? You know, he does not he's not defining maleness through action, right? You know, uh, but he's got a he's strong willed, yeah, and he's and the leader of something. He's the head yeah. of a of a family of sorts, you know. And you can tell, I mean, that it's like I, his character is very similar to like like an Albert Finney in. Miller's Crossing where mm-hmm. you're like you're like how did this guy who just seems kind of in the in the ter- in Paul in the terms of Paul Newman seems kind of frail and a bit out of it like how did he ever uh, amass this uh, you know great empire how did he ever do that but then in certain scenes where you like when he's yelling at his son uh, uh-huh. in that meeting you're like oh I get it yeah. because it's like he's old now but he wasn't always like that he probably has had to do a lot of awful things and he and he did them you know uh yeah i love his performance in in road to perdition um yeah but i love him you know a, a per, one of his performances that people don't talk a lot about is is in the sting and i think which is probably the first thing i saw him in uh, when i was I very know. i saw this thing when i was very very young because my it was i think it's still to this day my mom's favorite movie it might be the first thing i i ever saw him in and he's yeah, I mean he he and Robert Redford. I, I still haven't seen Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Neither as horrible I. as that is. Um, <laughs> yeah, how can we be doing a movie? Po- you know what? Let's just stop. <laughs> Let's just give. It, sorry. Okay, that's the end. Everybody, give donations if you want, but we're gonna stop doing it. We still someday. I know. I, I say this so often on the show, and it's a blatant ripoff of something that Film Spotting, mm-hmm. another excellent film podcast, has done. Uh, but we do need to like make a list of movies like that that we're ashamed that we haven't seen. Oh yeah, and make an effort like turn it into a segment or something you yeah. know where we where we where we see them but that's, that's a good, that's a it, good call and it's a blatant rip off of film spotting i want to make i want to make it clear to the listener cuz i'm sure we have a lot of listeners who also listen to film spotting yeah. i know they did that like a year yeah. ago uh, i know but it's good but you know our answers are not going to be the same as theirs yeah. you know and uh and i forget didn't one of them wind up watching double indemnity and not, and not liking for it, it. Yeah. yeah so you know, I mean, <laughs> you're, it's okay to steal from you because we're going to make it better. But you know what? Because until recently on my list was Nashville. Yeah. And I watched Nashville and didn't care for it. I thought you liked it. No, I we, know had we disagreed on some things, but... Uh, overall, I say no. Hmm. Well, I don't care for you. <laughs> what do you think of that? Should we talk? Let's get back to Paul. Yeah, then. yeah, sorry. Uh, I mean, the, the, we, the, we have our, an episode to do. So right, <laughs> this yes, isn't yes. the all we'll, Paul we'll Newman episode. But, but uh, uh, yeah, it's the sting. Yeah, he was. I mean, he just he had a great deal of chemistry, but he, I'd say that is is very uh, very much an example of what you're talking about of just a man who just, I mean, he he seems like an Elmore Leonard character where he just he knows what's going on at all times, you know, and you're not gonna more he knows more than Robert Redford, he knows more than Robert Shaw, he is the guy that is he knows what's gonna happen 
way in advance of anybody else. And if he likes you, maybe he'll let you in on a little bit of it. And uh, and he just he, you know he, you know holds his cards close to the vest. And I don't say that just because he's a card player, but yeah. like, uh, and I feel like I feel like yeah he starting with that and I don't know he really started to not that like you said not that he wasn't subtle before. But he started – maybe it's just that he started becoming attracted to characters that were a little more subtle. Like, I think his performance in The Verdict is yeah. – is But then again, uh, The Verdict is a – the character in The Verdict could be played less subtle. There, you yeah, know? I'd suppose. I mean, anytime – because he's a drinker. Yeah. And anytime that comes into the equation, there's yeah. – there's. I'm not an actor, but it seems like there's often a temptation to overact yeah. when when drinking is a part of the character's uh, and background. And I remember the, uh, w- I think we watched the uh, Sidney Lumet's commentary on the verdict, and uh, and we both joked about how much he freaking loves David Mamet and <laughs> is just verbally fellating him. But uh, but he does point out certain things that Paul Newman does to m- to to point out ver- in a very obvious way that Paul Newman's character is a drunk, but not you know uh, like little clues like putting in eye drops and like just uh-huh. like taking the top off of a glass before you pick it up um, because his hands are a little bit shaky like you don't know why he does it unless you know about that behavior you know yeah. it's it's little things like that so like by doing things like that that are still they're somewhat obvious but not as obvious as a guy whose hands you see quaking you know and really playing it up it's like he chooses just very down-to-earth basic things that if you know about drunkenness you know you're aware of of that, and so in doing that, he that's that means he can keep his performance, you know, at a kind of a low level, and uh, and and you know it's and that's a that's a character that, like you said, you know, it's you've seen him before. He's this drunk lawyer looking for redemption, you know, but and he and you could have overplayed him. I mean, you can overplay almost anything written by David Mamet, um, <laughs> but. Uh, but he doesn't. He pl- he makes the character. You know, you you're kind of uncomfortable watching him. You're like, yeah, this guy is not a, he's not a good guy. You know, he's had some uh, tough times, and it has had an effect on him. And he really does seem shaky, and he he's kind of a bad lawyer. You know, yeah. And it's a testament to Newman that he can play up the flaws of the character while also making you just inherently root for him. Um, I mean, um, go ahead. Uh, well, there's one one more thing I want to more, one more role I want to bring up. Okay. Uh, well, in the verdict, he has an office outside of which you can see the the clock that's on the wall of the building. Is that okay. right? Uh, I don't recall, but yes, sure. I don't. Maybe it's not his office, but there is a shot in the verdict where it's in an office, and through the window you can see the in like the inside of a clock. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that was referenced in his office in Hudsucker Proxy, where oh, it has okay. a huge clock arm coming. Oh, I forgot about Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah, and that was. Um, like I say, the 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 Sting was the first thing I saw him in. I saw Cool Hand Luke when I was young, you know, and uh, until the, the Hudson Proxy was ninety four, you know. So yeah. I I probably saw it when it was like a new release on DVD or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, would have been video back then, David. Yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> makes sense. Um, I, and I, I guess I thought of him as an actor from a past generation. You know, and Hudson Proxy was a movie that sort of made him relevant to me again. <coughs> You know, yeah. as a as a very young young film fan, uh, you know, just discovering the Coen Brothers and and uh, seeing this guy that I thought of as yeah, I thought of him as like I said from a past generation. Yeah, because he wasn't really doing a lot of movies in the '90s that I 
would have seen when I was, uh, you know, yeah. At that I mean, age. that was the same year as Nobody's Fool. Yeah, and which that's, I, <laughs> that's the type of movie that you expect somebody like that to be in. Um, I always like it when when actors, like you said, of of a of a bygone era, um, uh-huh. they show up in something and they're like, you're like, what? How did you? I didn't know this guy got the joke. Like, I mean, yeah. what, what's like Mary Steenburgen and Step Brothers? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, I've always liked Mary Steenburgen. I do too. I've, I've always found her to be attractive in the way that, like, if you like, if one of your friends' moms was attractive, that is uh, perfect. <laughs> For a minute there, I'm like, I don't find her attractive at all, except that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and and you know, uh, bringing up. Hudsucker proxy. I mean, that's that's perfect because even as he was getting like I, you know, as I was saying, as he was getting older, he was you know kind of die. You know, uh, he he was attracted to parts where he would dial it down and and you know just be incredibly subtle. But Hudsucker shows you that it's like I can be over the top and crazy just like yeah. anybody else. Sure, sure. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I can be hanging upside down by my pants and uh, choose to smoke a cigar <laughs> at that point and uh, make you believe it. But, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was a great actor, and, uh, and he, you know, he will be missed. So, but, uh, but that's not who we're profiling today. Well, we David. are profiling another person who we missed. That's right. Who yes. wasn't so lucky to live to the age of 80. Was it 80, 83? 83, yeah. Um, who, uh, who, this is your baby this week? It sure is. And, but I'm on board. Who, who, who are we talking about today? Baby, you said baby and on board uh, at the same, uh, like within five seconds of each other. Um, yeah, uh, it was weird. I, I sometimes it's it, it's going to sound weird, and I'm, it's going to make me sound old. But I sometimes think about like people significantly younger than us. Like for example, my my brother in law is eighteen. Yeah, and you know that's significantly younger. You know, I. I I grew up knowing people who were born in either 82, 83, or maybe 81. Like, uh-huh. that was it. Everybody was basically my age. And so everybody got the same references. Isn't it weird right now, uh, to, before you get into it, mm-hmm. and I think maybe by the time I'm 30 or 35, I will have gotten used to this. Yeah. But now, at, at 26, I'm at an age where uh, I'm an adult, Yeah. but there are people who are adults now, like 18 and up, who yeah. were children when I was an adult. And so it seems really like it, it's really weird to be with adults who are younger than me and have uh, a, the completely weird frame of reference. Like someone was talking about listening to like the Dave Matthews Band Crash when they were like eleven years old. Yeah, and that was insane to me. But I just need I need to get over it. I'm sure that I'm sure once people get to thirty or thirty five, I'm saying like they probably get used to that fact. I I would hope so. But <laughs> yeah, I mean it's you know it's interesting to to talk to. Uh, uh, my brother-in-law and like and and his friends, excuse me, but uh, because that I'll be making reference to like a movie and then I'm like, wait a minute, they were two when that came out. <laughs> now, granted, I was only ten when that came out, but still, you know, like, <coughs> like I, you know, we brought up Who Framed Roger Rabbit a couple weeks ago. It's like, oh yeah, I remember seeing that in the theater. Oh, I was so it was so excited. That came out before he was born. <laughs> like, that's insane to think of. But more specifically, I mean, there are... I remember growing up, I watched a, a lot of movies with my dad and my brother and all that. And uh, and if you watched comedies in the 80s, there's somebody who was a staple 
I mean, it, it was a, it's like, oh, if you're watching a comedy that's really worth its salt at all, and even some that weren't, yeah, you'll, you're going to see John Candy. Yes. Um, and that's who we're profiling today. Uh, and it makes me wonder, like, and he died in 94. So, I mean, it's, it's been a while now. Same and year as Hudsucker Proxy. Hudson, nobody's oh, like, 94 is, <laughs> it's the year of this episode. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and he died at, at, as you said, you know, a young age of 44, um, which is crazy to me. But, um, but yeah, so I think, I think like, oh, he was a, he was a great comedic actor. And he really was in a way, like, cause he was like a. A you know a big guy who made yeah. some like sort of funny faces, uh, yeah. and that's what appealed to me in the 1980s when I was seeing his movies. Right, like going back and seeing the now, you know he he was really funny. He was, and he's somebody who deserves to be remembered. You know, it's if there are you know it's like if there's any if there's any like you know 17 or 18 year olds listening to this, you know, th- like you're gonna they'll be aware of. Marlon Brando they'll be aware of you know just gr- they'll they'll discover certain actors because they happen to be in some amazing films now John Candy is amazing in a lot of his films but people may not feel the need to go back and watch The Great Outdoors or Planes Trains and Automobiles like they may just like maybe Stripes like uh-huh. they may go back and watch Stripes but like it just I was like oh man like he ha- he he really wasn't in anything that mo- that like younger film fans are going to go and watch on their own. And so I feel like he's somebody who could potentially be largely forgotten. Yeah. The further away we get from his death, you know. Um well, let's let's get into it, shall Chris we? Farley. You know, I yeah. say the two are similar. That well Chris that's I want to get into when we get, when we get to stripes I'll talk more about that. Okay. Okay. Uh, but let's let's get into it. Um Yeah. Uh, I, I I have a list here. I didn't write down the years, but uh, I guess we'll. Uh, I was going to start with the Blues Brothers, but did you want to talk about SCTV at all? Uh, I mean that's, you know, he was a, uh, he started you know in Second City, and uh, and so of course he was a part of SCTV, and he was all I you know all I had to say is that he was just you know in, in every cast there's always almost always a guy who's like the big fat guy, and John Candy. You know, he was that in that troupe of of uh, of actors, but he didn't play fat guy roles. Like there's really no, like the 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 part that I remember the most is when he was the host of 3D theater, <laughs> and basically, and he would uh, and he would he'd be like one of those like crazy you know like Elvira types where it's where he's you know he he really plays up like this crazy weird Eastern European accent and. Uh, and what he will do is, the joke is that you're theoretically you're watching something that's in 3D. So he will he will pick up something and then he will thrust it towards the camera <laughs> and then bring it back and thrust it towards the camera again and then bring it back with this serious look on his face like he's blowing your mind. And it's like there's nothing, there, you know, that's not the standard. It, there's no reason for him to play that character based on like his build, like. It, yeah, they you know what? Okay, I'll say that now because that's what I was going to get okay. to. Because Stri- Stri- Stripes is one of the few. <coughs> it's one of the few movies where his his weight and size is really uh, emphasized. Yes, there's yes. a lot of jokes about him, and, but they're good jokes. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Harold yeah. Ramis saying, "You know, I'm behind you 100 percent of the way." You know, if we get, <laughs> if we get into any any anyway, that's funny. But uh, yeah. but yeah, it's to his credit, and that's that's the difference. I mean, Chris Farley, 
who was was fairly funny. It, yes, yes. Um, but oh, a lot of it came from his physicality. Yeah. You know? uh, and John Candy was essentially the rare fat comic who was able to overcome that. Yeah, I mean, he was just, and I feel like maybe, I mean, he just, you know, he certainly got got bigger as he got older, but uh, but he's a guy who was not. It wasn't. He wasn't dependent on his on his fatness. You know, Chris Farley was very, as you say, he was very funny, and he could turn something funny yeah. in the way he that he spoke. But he, you know, he was always the fat, clumsy kind of dumb guy. Yeah, you know. And, and that's John, a shame because, like, yeah, my favorite Saturday Night Live thing with Chris Farley is the Chris Farley Show, which has oh, nothing yeah. to do with him being fat at all. Yeah, and it's hilarious. I mean, the fact that it, the fact that he's big, it might add to the ad- the adorable nature <laughs> of, of what he's doing, but it's not essential. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, and and either I mean, it's a shame that that both guys died, but I really feel like John Candy, he it, just the types of characters he played. I mean. They didn't have to be big, and and he would. I think he would use the way he looked to. I don't know. Like I think the he counted on the viewer making an assumption about his character based on the way he looked, mm-hmm. and then he would almost always undercut that with something. Yeah. Um. You know, often with uh, a great deal of sweetness and vulnerability. Yeah. Um. But we're not going to get to that yet. Right now, we're going to talk about him and the Blues Brothers. Uh, <laughs> Which, okay, Blues Brothers is one of your favorite movies of all time, so I'll let you lead the charge. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not exactly in the top 100, but for for several years... But you've seen it more than once? Yes. Okay, then you know more about it than I do. I've seen it many, <laughs> I've seen I've seen it. It many, many times. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it once, and I liked it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And, and he doesn't have a big role in it. I mean, it's really just a cameo. But he basically plays this... Uh, because throughout the throughout the movie, the cops are after the Blues Brothers, and there's and and he is like kind of a I think he's like a parole officer or something, and um, and he goes along with the cops, but he just he seems to be like you know how in every in every movie about like a guy on the run, like there's always the cops that are after him, but there's always one guy who seems to understand the criminal, uh-huh. who seems to, it's like. It's like, all right, I'll go along with you guys, but there's more to this person than we think. You know, uh-huh. he was kind of that guy, but he always just kind of sat back and just found everything funny. Like that, like Elwood Blues plays a joke on the cops saying, "Hey, here's my address." Oh, oops, it's Wrigley Field, <laughs> and uh, and John Kenny's like, "Yeah, that's pretty funny," and just and the cops just have no sense of humor about it, and uh, and then like when they finally, uh, <coughs> excuse me, when they finally uh, go to the uh, the big concert at the end. He sits down with the two cops, and the and the place is surrounded by cops. They could take the Blues Brothers at any time, and uh, and he's like, he goes, "No, I haven't even heard these guys play. Come on!" <laughs> and uh, and then the waitress comes up, and he's like, "Who wants an orange whip?" And I, first off, <laughs> yes. I don't know, I don't know what an orange whip is, but somehow it's funny, especially because it's him sitting across from two cops, and he goes, "Who wants an orange whip?" Points at one cop, "Orange whip, <laughs> orange whip." Three orange whips, and it's just like, <laughs> and it's just hilarious that it's just, he just, like, everybody is playing it pretty straightforward, even the Blues Brothers themselves, you know, they have to play it kind of straight-faced. He's the only one just sitting back being like, this is ridiculous, you know, and he's, it's just, you know, it's not, there's nothing much to the role, it was probably written with him in mind, and he just, he's hilarious, and to me, one of the, as I, like, 
if you were to explain it to somebody and say, hey, incidentally, one of the funniest uh, lines in movie history is orange whip, orange whip, three orange whips. <laughs> it's not going to make any sense to you until you see the movie, but yeah. it's very funny. Um, but yeah, so, so well, that's those, him those, and the But those brothers. are the best lines in, in, in movies where you have to – you know, line, lines that aren't joke jokes. Those are yeah. often... Oh, I think we we talked almost a year ago <coughs> when we had Matt Belknap on the show. We were talking about right. comedies. That part in Superbad where Seth Rogen is... He's the fastest kid alive. He's <laughs> the fastest kid alive. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing. It's not a joke on paper. It's yeah. just... Uh, but it's, like, my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a line that really... It's just... It's an amusing line in the context, but it's really just begging for whoever the actor is to do something yeah. with it. Um Okay, so that's the that's the Blues Brothers. Uh, I mean, we kind of you kind of talked about Stripes already. Did you want to say anything uh, beyond that? I don't know. D- did you? I mean, you, you didn't get to say anything about it. Um, I mean, except um, basically what you said. It's one of the few instances where his weight. I mean, it's was Stripes made. Stripes was made before Full Metal Jacket, right? <laughs> I think so. Because yeah. the the characters are kind of similar. Yeah, you know, no. uh, <laughs> they are called out for their weight a lot, but uh, and I guess that's. I guess that's maybe that's the beginning, at least on film. That's it's the beginning of like playing characters. I, I guess he's kind of this in the Blues Brothers as well. Just playing characters that just are kind of they're all right with themselves, you know. Like they're not necessarily that sensitive. Uh-huh. They're just like, this is who I am. What <laughs> do you think? You know, like like people make fun of his weight in Stripes. But he's just such a damn good-natured guy. Yeah. Why would I ever get angry? <laughs> and uh, and that seems to be – I will say, like, John Candy as a person, like, in interviews and just the types of characters he plays, always just seemed like the guy that's like, I want to hang out with this guy because yeah. I have a feeling I'll I'll end it, it no matter how – no matter what my mood is going into my discussion with him, I have a feeling I'm going to walk away feeling happy. Um, yeah. But that's just the vibe that I get from him. There's, um, a, there's a bit in Stripes, again – you know, uh, we talk about Chris Farley doing very physical stuff. There's yeah. a physical little bit in there that's somehow it's somehow subtle in a way. It's, it's more subtle than it, than it could be, which is okay. when he's doing the obstacle course yeah. and then he just like can't stop running and runs because <laughs> he he's, he's, he can't stop himself running. He can't make the turn. He's just yeah. running into the woods, <laughs> <laughs> and it's he's not like you know. <coughs> Throwing his arms out and making goofy yeah. faces, just like the shot is from behind, and he's just him, like running into the woods. And uh, I can, t- I think there's going to be a lot of that in this episode yeah. of us going. Remember that one part, which yeah. I like doing. You know, and like sometimes I feel bad about doing that on the show because I yeah. feel like we should be generating our own interesting conversations. Yeah. But again, this is supposed to be a conversation among that the, the kind of the type of kind of conversation film fans have and right. that's what we do yeah honestly we're gonna say remember that one time and especially i'll say that i'll say this like you know when we're talking about frederick march or something like that you can really you know talk about oh he, you know this beat was really great you can break his performances down not to imply that you can't break down a comedic performance yeah but with a comedian you're gonna the beats are really a function of Hey, remember that part that was hilarious? You yeah. know, that's really what it is because that's the nature of a comedic performance. Yeah, so in doing that, yeah. we're we're still talking about him as right. an actor. I think so. Um yeah, and now uh his performance in uh, Vacation. Sure, yeah. Again, he's only in it uh, a brief yeah. a brief moment, but here he's really uh I I don't recall if they make fun of his weight, but they just I think he plays a security guard at Wally World. Uh-huh. And uh 
I'm almost positive that they wound up putting uh, a uniform that was maybe one size too small. Yes. And they put on these dorky glasses, and they're like, all right, you see how you look in the mirror? Play that. <laughs> uh, that's basically, I mean, and uh, and he just seems like, he just seems like the, just the quintessential dorky guy. And it's just, you know, it's, it's he's in it, what, maybe seven minutes total, maybe yeah. ten. Uh, but he's funny in that role, and nothing about the uh, first va- about any of the vacation movies is subtle so why should he be he has to represent something <laughs> um but uh but yeah so that's all i have to say well, about vacation what's next for you cuz i have one i don't think is on your next list. for me is is uh splash but it's been so okay, long okay splash since I've i want to talk about oh by oh, go ahead i haven't seen it in a long time oh it's retarded it's a it's a terrible movie uh, yeah <laughs> it's it's ungodly yeah <laughs> it, it's so bad uh, you know, and I am usually like a Ron Howard apologist. Yeah, I I like Cocoon. Yeah, you don't care for Willow though. No, no one, no, no one yeah. should really. Um, Splash is just stupid. Okay, like okay, the, the part does not have nothing to do with John Candy at all. Okay, but where she somehow causes that big like fountain to be delivered into his apartment, and he comes home and the. The fountain is in his apartment. It's a fountain like you would see in the middle of a park. A, how do you get it into an apartment that's, uh, you know, up more than one floor? Yeah. And B, how does this huge concrete thing not just fall through to the ground floor? And I, I don't recall and this. I don't recall this scene, up the but is it working? Yes. Okay, that doesn't make sense. It, it, it's, it's insulting. Okay. But here's um, John Candy in that movie. It's... Uh, it's sort of a a graduation for him to where he's playing. I mean, it's not. He's not just playing a character in the comedic sense. He's playing a character in the dramatic sense. Not that he's being a dramatic role. It's right, still funny, right. but he is a full character as opposed to he. He's not just there, like in Blues Brothers or Vacation, right. where he's like this. This is who you are. Make jokes on you know riff on this. Yeah, I you mean, know, even he stripes. Has, I'd say he's he's more like that. He's there yeah. mostly. Because it's like, oh, visually he's very amusing and he does funny things with it, but he's not on par with like it's not a supporting character. It's you know Harold Ramis is more of a supporting character. He's more of just kind of a you know a cameo, I guess you could say. Yeah. But yeah, in Splash, he's the, he's the best friend. You know? Yeah. Um. Yeah, and he spent a while being the best friend. I mean, it's interesting. You actually do see the the system in his career. Uh-huh. You see. It's like, all right, TV bit player, uh, not not TV bit player, but you know, just part of an ensemble. And then some of the other people become more famous, and he is allowed small parts in their in their films. Then he graduates to the best friend, and then he and then he becomes full fledged lead. Yeah, but not 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 quite yet. Not quite yet. Um, what do you have after Splash in your list? Uh, after Splash, I have Summer Rental. Oh, I never saw that. Um, it's not that good. Okay, but. Uh, but it did it it's a it is a lead role and it's a part that's very it's very different for him but it's one that he would repeat later on um where he uh basically it's he's the he's kind of homer simpson honestly he's the husband and father of this family it's it could have been a vacation movie frankly uh-huh. uh and they go to this uh, i forget if it's i think it's the ocean they go to an ocean you know uh resort town and uh, and everything just goes wrong for him. Uh, everything goes fine for his family. Everything just goes horribly wrong for him. He gets horribly sunburned, and you know he winds up in this rivalry with uh, 
uh, Richard Crenna, I believe, but I'm not sure if, if that's who the villain is. But uh, a guy who, of course, is very rich. Yeah. And uh, But in this, uh, John Candy, I guess you could say he's kind of the straight man. I mean, in the sense that funny things happen to him. Uh, but it's his job to not do funny things in response to it. The fact that he's just so flustered by this stuff, you know, he's responding in like a naturalistic kind of way. And because he's responding naturalistic to something that's insane, that's kind of where the laughs come from. Um, and it's a, it's a kind of a, it's kind of a strange performance, uh, not a strange performance, but it's a strange character for somebody like him who, because he's like a big guy and because he's just, ha- just his general temperament is to be jolly and happy, um, to see him play a character who is just kind of beaten down, uh, it's he does he does fine with it, and he would you know do it again in uh, the Great Outdoors, but mm-hmm. uh, but it's I'd say it's not it's not it's a role that somebody else could have played. Uh, it's not a role that that uh, I think suits him the way uh, like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles does. Um, but we'll get to that later. What okay, What's next um, on your list there? Uh, just Little Shop of Horrors, which oh, is okay. uh, which he uh, like so many people and has just like a a cameo. Yeah, he's a uh, what's his name? He's the radio show host. I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen it in years. Uh, Wink Wink Wilkinson or something like that. That sounds about it's right. A, it's like two W's. I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's but uh, it's just showcasing him a lot. All the that's a movie. That's a movie. I wait. I keep starting sentences and not finishing them. That's all right. Um, you talk about these movies being, you know, movies that we watched a lot when we were young, and they mm-hmm. really are. Like, I, I'm, uh, I'm shocked at how many of these movies were, like, staples in my childhood. Yeah. And some that we'll get to. I really want to go back and watch Little Shop of Horrors to see if it's as uh, awesome as I remember, because I love it. I loved it so much when I was a kid. And It frightened me when I was young, <laughs> because uh, plants that eat people, I don't like that. Um, but uh, I I watched it a few years ago, and uh, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, and all the all the cameos. There are so many, you know, the yeah. Steve Martin and yeah. Bill Murray and John Candy. They're all used so well to the strengths of of the actors. Oh yeah. Uh, so um, so that was yeah. Wink Wilkinson, I think was his name. Okay. I'm not sure. Okay, so on to another absolute staple. Of my childhood, which is which is Spaceballs. Spaceballs, of course, <laughs> in which he plays Barf. Barf. His full his full name Barfolomew. <laughs> you know, and it's just, and this is you know this, you know it. This is just uh, in talk. We've talked about parodies before, you uh-huh. know, um, where it's really just you know if you if you're able to craft something of a character, good for you. Not really uh, uh-huh. a priority. I'd say if any if there are any tr- like true characters in that i'd say it's mostly the villains i'd say rick moranis has a nice consistent character um but like barf you know he's excuse me (coughs) like when he is asked his name he doesn't just say barf he says barf (laughs) and it's like well there's no reason for him to say that (laughs) like in that way you know except that it's funnier that way you know uh-huh. and so his his character like like so many others in parodies is basically it's like okay whatever the joke is that's what you're gonna be um yeah. but he's still funny you know i mean it's somewhat 
Spaceballs isn't. Yeah, Spaceballs doesn't hold up. I think the way Little Shovel Horrors. Oh my does. no! But uh, but he's you know he's still you know he's still amusing in it and just and he's given little things like uh, when it when they're in the desert and uh, at night and then they're gonna f- and they fade to the sun and uh, you just hear John Candy go nice dissolve <laughs> and it's just like that's okay seems a waste of his talents but that's all right who am I to judge um, okay so what's next on your list there the big one. The big one. No, that's not the name of the movie. Oh, okay. Right. All right. I'm like, I don't recall him being... He was in a Michael Moore film, but he was yeah. not in the big one. Um, next one... <coughs> Sorry, everybody. Um, yeah, I knew you had something else to get to before we got Yeah, um, is uh, The Great Outdoors, and it's, Again, it's which is much like the same Me with Little Shop of Horrors. I haven't seen it in so, so long yeah. that I really don't really... I remember that they blow the uh, skin off the bear's ass at the end of it. You no, know, they blow the fur off the bear's that's ass. What I meant to say, and, and then the skin, it looks just like a human ass, which I'm not sure if that's actually how they look. <laughs> but uh, but who, what do I know? I'm not a uh, bear biologist. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's just... In that, <clears throat> similar to his role in Summer Rental, where he is just... Stuff is constantly happening to him, uh, but he is allowed some nice character moments. Uh, and then there is just one little, there's just one little thing that makes me chuckle in there, where Dan Aykroyd plays this guy's rich brother-in-law, and uh, and the power goes out in their cabin, and he's like, you know, and Dan Aykroyd is like trying to get his lighter going. He's like, ugh, seventy-five bucks for a, you know, a hundred bucks for a lighter that doesn't even work, and then. Uh, John Candy flicks his lighter and goes, 75 cents. Nah. <laughs> and it's just, it's like, good for you, John Candy. You know. Um, That's one thing I didn't remember about the movie um, is is the character stuff you're, you're talking about. There was, yeah. um, there was more of it than we had seen, I think, in, in, in past roles. Right. There was a, is, is Grand Outdoors good? It's all right. Um, I love, you know, I loved it when I was a kid because a uh-huh. lot of crazy stuff happens. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, Dan Aykroyd and John Candy, they do some fairly good work in it. And uh, the reason that, and like with Summer Rental, the character is the same, but in Great Outdoors, they allow him to go into more, I won't say dramatic, but they, you know, they allow moments that aren't just comedy. Yeah. You know, um, like just how, like when it comes out, how his brother-in-law views him and how he views his brother-in-law and it's just and there's like real family anger and frustration there i mean it's not deep in any way but um i mean it's not it's not like well tenenbaums or something like that which i know is a movie you don't care for yeah. but it's a movie that's a movie all about family awkwardness and stuff and uh yeah but I, I would i would contend <clears throat> that the characters in great outdoors behave more like real people than the characters I would agree in with that. yes yes but uh but at the same time, okay, well, let's not debate Great Outdoors versus Royal <laughs> Tenenbaums, um, although there's an episode right there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and what's more is the type of character that he plays in Great, Out- in Great Outdoors, it does, it hints, at, it doesn't hint, it starts what's going to be a theme where he plays characters that are kind of, that are funny, but also there, you get the sense that there's a lot more underneath, you know, yeah. and they are real people. Um, and it's and often kind of sad. It is, very much so. And that's something that we'll talk about, I imagine, right now. Yes, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one of my favorite comedies ever. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's like because it, because it's a good movie. Uh, you know, we mm. talk a lot about the show on, uh, on the show about how we forgive comedies that are funny for being bad movies. Right. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is both. Yeah. Uh, it's a really great movie and a really really funny comedy. Yeah. And and you know, it just occurred to me that maybe one of the reasons that I prefer something like like planes, trains, and automobile and automobiles to and and like great outdoors to summer rental is that he has some John Candy has somebody to play off of. Yeah. In summer rental, it's mostly him, and then there's his family, but it's mostly just him. Um, and I think he benefits from having somebody to play off of. You know, in great outdoors, it's Dan Aykroyd, and then in uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, it's. Uh, which, as much as I love the film, man, I wish it had a different name because it's a great I, name. It's, it's a great just, name, but I unless have to you say do it. a podcast and you have to say it over and over right. again. Um, it, but it's it's a really good movie name. Yeah, yeah, it is because it's like ah, oh, no one's gonna, there's not gonna be any overlap with this in another film. Um, <laughs> but uh, but with him and Steve Martin, that to me is like one of the first off. I think it's one of the best road movies ever made. Yeah. Um, but there's like real palpable anger and frustration between these two guys yeah you know and mostly from and from steve martin and there's a nice moment where you're with you're with steve martin like the first third of the film i'd say uh-huh. um you think john candy you think he's funny yeah but, but he's, he's, he's a oaf and yeah, yeah i mean the scene where they're they're laying in bed together and it's not and it's you know where that when they're eventually you know when they're find out when they wake up cuddling with each other it's like okay that's funny but more funny to me when they're laying in bed is john candy clearing his throat and just (laughs) making the most horrible noises you know where he's i i won't make them but it's just he's like you know he's just doing these horrible nose things Uh just trying to clear out his sinuses and stuff but what's funny is that (coughs) he will punctuate each noise with sorry (laughs) <laughs> and then he will go on and just and just make oh, a noise that's worse. And it's just like, oh. And you wonder, like, how did anybody keep a straight face during this scene? Because Steve Martin, he's laying next to the man making this, and he has to look angry. How can you look angry when, you're, when you want to laugh so hard? <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine it. Because um, I imagine they just said, like, okay, John Candy do whatever you want to do and he's just like all right and just starts making noises and i imagine though that steve martin be a tough guy to crack up i could see that because he's kind of a serious minded guy yeah um because because his uh i I have a feeling that his uh his contribution to the film traitor was not hey let's put an arrow through uh don Cheadle's head um did you know that he uh yes i did with that yes i did but um Um, oh i I like in in when they first get to the hotel and john candy's like you want to take a shower? And he's like, no, what? Oh, I meant, did you want to use the shower first? Yeah, 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 <laughs> not together. Um, but, uh, oh, but after after that scene, after the night that they that they spend together, um, the, because uh, you're with Steve Martin all the way, and then he finally flips out and jumps all over John Candy and stuff. And then John Candy has this, I'd say, heartbreaking speech where there's no comedy in it. It's yeah. just him just saying what he thinks and it's you know there's a it it speaks to the larger theme that it's like you know you may think you've got somebody figured out you may whether you like them or not that's not the issue you may think that somebody is very simple and you've got them all worked out but you don't they have they have feelings they've got thoughts and opinions and philosophies just like you do 
Um, they may not be the same, but they do have these. And so he, he talks about, like, yeah, I know how I come off, mm-hmm. but hey, this is me. I like it. Some people don't, but I do. And so, and it's really touching, and it's the, and it's a testament to the film that, that Steve Martin has to keep learning that lesson, and it never seems repetitive. Yeah. You know, and then finally by the end, when, when it's revealed that John Candy, you know, that, that his wife has, has passed away yeah. several years ago, and yeah. that he doesn't have a home, not that he's homeless and, like, living on the street, he just lives in hotels as a function of his job. Um, and it's just like, you know, and then you, then you get the sense that the guy, the reason this guy is so jolly, he's he's probably just forcing himself to be that, so he doesn't so he doesn't just break down crying. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a, uh, and there's a scene that could have been, it could have been so cheesy, where he's sitting in the car, he's been kicked out of the hotel room, mm-hmm. um, near the end, and he's sitting in the car in the car that has. <laughs> burnt to a crisp and so it's not providing any real shelter from snow and he's just sitting there and he's talking to his wife um we don't yet know that she's dead yeah um but she's certainly not there um and it could have just seemed really cheesy and stuff but he sells it you know and also really it is not just in that scene is that through the whole movie you're yeah. with the character so much i mean he's 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 everything up to that point he's done so well that yeah. you buy, that you buy it yeah I mean, it's just, uh, it's a great performance. and He sells it and we buy it. He's, that's right. I am buying what he is selling. <laughs> um, but, uh, which in that film is uh, Shower Curtain Ring. Um, but yeah, so that's, okay, so I guess we can, we can move on. But if you, I'll say this, if you have not seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, go and watch it right now. It's great, not just because of him. Steve Martin's great, and it's just a well-constructed film. So next up on my list is Uncle Buck. Oh, I've got one before that. Okay, go ahead. Um, another one that I, I, I'm afraid to revisit it because it's probably incredibly stupid, okay. but I loved it when I was young, which is Who's Harry Crumb? I saw it when I was a kid. I haven't seen uh-huh. it since, and I know nothing about it. He's just uh, <coughs> a ridiculously incompetent private eye. Okay. And uh, you know, it's a kidnapping case, and I think if I remember, like... The people who did the kidnapping are like involved in whatever, like they're it's an inside job, and so they hire intentionally hire a bad detective. I could be way off. Maybe I'm thinking. Okay, I don't remember. But uh, but there's a ransom note which is pasted together from letters cut out of magazines. Okay, and his big you know uh, show of detective work is you find that crazy typewriter and you've got your kidnapper. <laughs> And I'm sure he sells it with inc- with total conviction. Yeah. That uh, you know, not winking like this is pretty funny what <laughs> I'm about to say, but just like <laughs> as if he's Jake Giddy uh, Giddies, you know, yeah. about to uh, crack open the case. Um, but uh, and actually, that does bring up something that I wanted to mention. I mean, how often does he play a character that's dumb? I mean, not often. Yeah. Like when you think of like. I hate to bring up Chris Farley as if Chris Farley was doing anything wrong. You know, Chris Farley was clearly a smart guy, but his characters yeah. often wound up. Yeah, I mean, we should we should dumb. make that disclaimer. Yeah, because we've said we've compared him unfavorably. But I mean, I love Tommy Boy not as much as I love Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Right, but it's up there. Yeah, I mean, those movies can certainly be compared to each yeah. other. Um, but uh, but yeah, and I mean, in interviews and stuff, Chris Farley clearly a smart, sensitive guy. I mean. It's like there was all this talk about how his passion project 
was to star in a movie uh, about Fatty Arbuckle. And yeah. it's like, oh, that would be great. Yeah. Because first off, how have they not made that movie yet? But uh, maybe because... Because <laughs> you don't have anybody like Chris Farley. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What are you going mean, to get? You can't get Horatio Sands to play it. Right. Who's, who's I mean, the next... <laughs> yeah. the next fat, fat sketch comedy guy who's gonna that's true <laughs> gonna make the crossover yeah Will Sasso lost a lot of weight um but uh <laughs> but yeah I mean just so Chris Farley was a smart guy I don't and and but he just happened to play I think partly his fault but part partly just the way he was viewed he just kept getting kind of dumb guy roles whereas John Candy he always played characters they may have been kind of kind of naive at times or yeah. or kind of clueless but never dumb you know yeah. i mean and uh or they're often as as you said before you when you learn that they're these, these characters are often very sad yeah. a lot of times the characters that appear dumb at first yeah yeah uh, and aren't which is why you know i mean it'd be interesting to go back and watch who's harry crumb you know because you know it's it's like is he just a bad detective or is he just stupid you know i mean there there probably is a distinction to be made i'd, I'd like to watch it because i'm sure he i'm sure he can sell stupid yeah. but he just i think it's a testament to him as an actor that he never had he didn't have to play stupid um you know the movie i didn't write down that i think came out around this time this what? time we're trying to be chronological is is delirious which is the movie i loved when i was a kid and i never saw it my mom uh, loved it well he's he plays a soap opera writer right who uh, I don't know. He suddenly everything that he writes, he oh he, he he, I think he gets hit on the head and ends up living inside his soap opera that yeah. he writes. But he can go home and write stuff, and it'll actually happen. So he starts. It's kind writing. of a neat idea, you know, that we've yeah. seen before, uh, seen since. Yeah, um, I, I I know there's there's a funny because he like r- gets drunk and writes something. So there's like this weird party scene the next day where people are acting as if they were written by a drunk person you know oh, cool and like the butler is like he just like delivers his line and says butler exits left <laughs> but uh yeah i just wanted to mention i'm not sure when that came out but uh that was another one that i watched uh uh on repeat when i was a kid and don't actually remember, remember that well but okay on to uncle buck uncle buck which is a movie again uh not again uh, much differently, it should have been a movie that I watched often as a kid, but yeah. I didn't for some reason. I didn't see it until I was in college. Really? Yeah. That it seems odd to me that you chose to see it. Like <laughs> you know, I, I like I'd watch it now, but it's mostly because oh hey, I haven't seen this in a long time. If you haven't seen it, why? Like, what did you just be like? Oh, John Hughes, John Candy, why not? Yeah, I, mean, I always wanted to see it because I like John Candy. Now you didn't grow up with grow up with it, so what did you th- what did you think? Oh, the uh, the movie is terrible, but yes. it's again, it's one of those things where he's he's good and funny enough in it that I don't yeah. mind that it's really shoddy filmmaking. Yeah, I mean, it, something as simple as like, um, you know, his niece is is uh, taken advantage of by her boyfriend, whose name is Bug, and I'm almost positive that his name is Bug for the following thing. Uh-huh. Um, and so, of course, John Candy has to avenge. And so I was like, okay, we've seen this scene a million times before, and even what he's given to say is not that funny. But there's one part where he he's got this hatchet in his car, and he's talking to Bug, and he's like, he's like, oh, I like to have this thing so sharp that you can just you can circumcise gnats. And he's like, wait a minute, Bug? No, uh, uh, Bug, gnat? Is there a little similarity there? And it's like, okay, that's kind of funny. But then he follows it up with just like. Oh, I think there is. <laughs> and he just and it's it's like 
he managed to like so far nothing that funny, but he managed to wring funny out of it. Yeah. By by that delivery, and it's just like you know, and that's the thing. Everything about that movie, like you said, it's not good, but he manages to find the funny in those like the yeah. Scenes. It's basically it's it's punctuated by scenes in which he's he's funny. Yeah. You know, when he it's such a dumb thing. And it's kind of ripped off in the Austin Powers movie, but where he can't stop saying the word mole. Oh yeah, when he's talking to the the principal, or yeah. whatever. That's funny. Yeah, Buck Melanoma, something's wart. You know, so and so's wart. What? And just yeah, it's 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 such an obvious joke. And then of course at the end, he uh, he flips her a quarter. He's like, "Here's a quarter. Why don't you go and have a rat and all that thing off your face." And it's like, and it's like, ah, I don't know if I like Mean Spirited John. Yeah, Candy. that is a little too mean. But uh, but that's another. If that movie had been made well, it's another thing where there's some sadness to who he is. Yeah, yeah, because he has been pretty much cut out of this family's life. Um, yeah, and of course they call him when they need him. Yeah, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so not a not a good movie. But he, you know, he's fine in it. Um, now the next few, I'm gonna go ahead. We need, we really need to wrap up. But oh uh, no, we don't. What was that? No, we don't. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, he was in Home Alone. I no, I want to talk because this is one of my all-time favorite cameos in, in, in like one scene. Okay, roles. All right, because he's so funny in it. Have you? When was the last time you watched it? Wait, Home Alone. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about something else. Okay. All right. I thought you wanted to slip something else in there, like uh, when he was uh, briefly in Follow That Bird, um, <laughs> which no. he's funny in. But uh, I'll tell you what, we can skip nothing but trouble because it's yes, we terrible. Can. Yes, uh, we can. So let's we'll, we'll not talk about that. Um, um, but Home Alone. <coughs> well, have you seen it recently? Yeah. No, he's I mean, funny in it. It's so funny. And I mean, so uh, again, again with the sadness. But yeah. I mean, that's in in that movie, which is so. Uh, it's it's just. So reeks of being it is like the beginning of what what family movies are now, which are just just seem like they're made by corporations and by committee. Yeah, and that movie's just not good at all. Yeah, uh, and that he somehow there's this like darkly comedic scene in yeah. the middle of it. You know, and, and I it's like and part of me is like, how did this get in here? Did he make this up? I don't know if he did or not. You yeah, know, I, I I wouldn't be surprised though. Because I wouldn't it, either. It it fits his it fits his style so well and yeah. it's so different from the rest of the movie yeah i mean he just seems like i mean he basically is kind of a like a deus ex machina where he just shows up with a truck and is like hey we can bring you yeah. um but uh and he has a couple funny moments one is where he's part of this polka band uh-huh. and ev- and he is offering her like his uh, clarinet or something he's like try it try it <laughs> and then finally Catherine Hare's like no and he's like no, all right <laughs> and he just and he's just like he just ah Whatever, like I, I've clearly annoyed her, but whatever, I'm fine. Um, but uh, but yeah, that scene where he decides he's going to find some common ground with this woman <laughs> and talk about yeah yeah they uh, I left was it his kid that he left yeah he left a, his kid at a at a funeral home with, <laughs> the, with the body <laughs> and then uh, and just and that's the thing is he has a nice little line it's like he's like he goes he goes oh yeah you know that she was uh, you know he was fine. In uh, you know, and and in in about a year, you know, he started talking again, and uh, and it's just <laughs> like, and he just brushes right over it, yeah. And it's like, oh, so your kid didn't talk for like a year or you know several months, whatever it was, yeah. And just you know, he. Well, do you remember? 
this is Adam from uh, my own life. Okay. Uh, you were uh, Teresa and I had a Christmas party. Our last uh, this would have been in two thousand four Christmas. Our last Christmas in Chicago. Okay. And I think you might have left by this point, but we had uh, <laughs> we had essentially printed out scenes from. Oh, I remember that. Yes, yes. Uh, printed out scenes from Christmassy movies, but that were. Yeah. Usually, I think we like did the, of course, like Phoebe Kate's speech from Gremlins. Okay, and then yeah, we did yeah. like when uh, when uh, Alan Rickman shoots the slick cocaine addict guy in Die Hard. Oh, yes, yes. And then we did that scene. Oh the, yeah, we, that was one of the. It, it wasn't just me and Trees. We like picked people throughout the party. We're like, okay, we've got these scenes, and we set it up for the. It was like the the capper to the night. That's what it's like. That, that's what it's like <laughs> when when Teresa throws a party. Uh, there's always games, yeah, uh, and you're recruited. To which be a I would always something. scoff at at first, and then end up having a really good time. So maybe I should take that into consideration. Uh, when you start having your Christmas party, you can just you know cribble something from her. I'm not having people over. It's a nice apartment. I know, and I want it to stay that way. Fair, ah, fair <laughs> enough. I didn't. I didn't realize I set you up. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. You but know yeah, what? we it we did that. That we performed that. I, I, it wasn't me because I did the the Die Hard one, but okay. I can't remember. I think. Uh, Somebody else did the, the Home Alone scene. And, you know, it's weird. Until you mentioned it, I forgot all about that scene. But uh-huh. it's, br- it's brilliant because he just, you know, never has a deus ex machina been so interesting and so yeah. amusing, you know, and and so out of out of step with the rest of the of the movie in a, in a, uh, the best possible way. Yeah. Um, so, uh, OK, he did a voice in Rescuers Down Under with a fellow profilee, George C. Scott. But uh I won't even talk about it. He does play. Okay. Uh But I will talk about JFK. I want to talk about JFK, too. Okay. Um, and this is... This might have been what we were going to see from him had he yeah. had he lived, because he's playing a non-comedic role. It's th- Yeah. There's not a joke in it. I mean, he's a... He's His got kind of a funny, yeah. like, personality, but it's not... He's not a joke. It's yeah. a serious scene. And I don't know... I've never been to New Orleans... I don't know if his accent is accurate, yeah. but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just – I mean, it's th- – that part had to be played by a guy with comedic sensibilities uh-huh. because the character is always on. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, the character is probably the life of the party. Yeah. You know, and so it's important that you get somebody who will just make these little jokes, you know, and will just constantly say these these funny things and, and clearly just – but has to set that aside when things get serious, you know. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, so it's it's a part that, you know, of all the roles, it's probably the funniest. Um, but yeah, but it's but it's not. I don't know. There's a, to me, there's a lot of laughs in JFK, but I don't know if they're supposed to be. I don't know if they're supposed to. I be. think Joe Beggi is really funny <laughs> in, Ke- in JFK. That's true. And Kevin Bacon is funny too. Yeah, <laughs> but. The, not so sure if Kevin Bacon should have been. But the thing that is, funny. that movie does that movie is not not located in reality. That's it's, true. It's, so you can you're allowed to laugh at, at the at the characters. Yeah, I, the the reason that I wouldn't say that his part in uh, in JFK is a comedic role is because he's not a character. It's not like the character is funny. The character is trying to be funny. You know, there is a difference. Yeah. You know, um, and he's trying to be funny in other, in order to diffuse situations and it sounds to me like he is uh gets involved in a lot of these situations uh-huh. and uh and <clears throat> yeah he's only in it you know a very short time just the one scene yeah right? but i want to point out something about that scene okay 
John Candy is, uh, and Oliver Stone and cinematographer for Robert Richardson together. Yeah. Achieve something that scene that people who know film know is very difficult. Yeah. It's very difficult to convey on film an extreme of, te- of temperature, either hot oh, yeah. or cold. But man, does it look like it's just stifling in that scene. Yeah. And it has to do with the way he's patting his. It's, yeah. Of course, the lighting is, is a part of it, and the way that he's like wiping his brow. And it's yeah. like, even when I think of that scene now, the first thing I think of is like, God, that's true. It's so hot. Why is he eating jambalaya or whatever he's eating in that scene? Yeah. Uh, in 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 that heat, and he's wearing, and he's wearing a, a suit. suit. Yeah. yeah, and just yeah, that's a that's a good point. I mean, it's it's shot somewhat close up, like on his on his uh, mouth, and of course there's sweat on his upper lip and yeah. all that. Um, yeah, I mean, he just. It's it's interesting because he had played dramatic characters before. He had played, you know, the the dramatic side of characters. But this is a completely different character. This is a character who, when the chips are down, he is freak- He's a he's terrified first off, and he is like angry, you know, at his friend and at the situation that he finds himself in, um, and the situation that his friend is putting him in. And you just really sense that just once his once his fear is revealed, then you can go back and look at the character and realize all these jokes, he's just covering up how fucking petrified he is of getting... We've seen what happens yeah. to Joe Pesci and all that, and you know it's going to happen. It could happen to him very easily. Yeah. And he knows it too. And, uh, yeah, I mean, his level of fear from John Candy, a guy that we all know and love, like, it really sells... Just how, you know, just how far Kevin Costner has stepped in it. Like it was important for, for the character to be played by somebody as funny who is funny and somebody who just instinctively we feel at ease with, you know, and uh, because then when we see how scared they are, it lets us know, oh gosh, if John Candy's scared, I should be a little frightened myself. Um, yeah, it's a great performance, and like you said, it's a performance we would have been seeing more of. Yeah. Uh, you know if if he had if he had lived um i want to real quick talk about rookie of the year okay um now that came out at a time when i was getting too old for for uh, those yeah. kind of movies yeah but i saw it and i remember thinking it was funny yeah and i actually saw a, caught a little bit i was like on my way out the door but i sat down and watched like 10 minutes of it on hbo a few weeks ago yeah and it's funny like he's he's um is he a commentator yeah he? he's okay. a, which is a great it, much Perfect. like the little shop of horrors role it's, yeah. it's great for him but uh, like Daniel Stern is really funny in it, and and of course it has that famous line, you know, funky, funky butt, butt loving. loving. Yeah. <laughs> um, does Daniel Stern get caught in the yes. in, in the space between doors Two and hotel adjoining rooms. rooms? Yeah. That's what I remember because it's so frightening to me. Uh huh. Because I'm very I'm very claustrophobic, and when I the only thing I remember from Rookie of the Year is Daniel Stern getting stuck between those doors. I'm like, how horrible would that be? Um, that has nothing to do with John Candy, but that I, you know, I'm not in but, any danger of watching Rookie of the Year. You know again. what? I think I'm going to rent it. All right. I think because I, it seemed funny to me when I watched. <coughs> uh, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm going to watch it again. All right. Invite me over. I'll watch it because I do remember very well that my dad loved it when I, like really? my little brothers rented it when it came out, and my dad thought it was great. <laughs> so uh, that's fascinating. Maybe it's good. To me. Um, but uh, yeah, the only the only two mi- movies that I will mention the the le- the only ones left on my list. Uh, one is Cool Runnings. That's on my list. Too. Where he's not the funny character. Yeah, he's a supporting character, and and it's up to these crazy. It's too Jamaicans. bad he's not the funny character. Yeah, <laughs> <The crazy laughs> because Jamaicans, people who are supposed to be yeah. aren't. 
Dougie Doug. Not that funny. Oh, Dougie Doug. Um, but his character is very tragic, like legitimately tragic. You know, he doesn't have a lot of funny things to say or do. Um, he's a guy who is disgraced for something he did. You know, uh-huh. um, there yeah. are, you know, there are some, like we talked about Paul Newman, like uh, in the verdict. Like, his character is disgraced, but it's for something that he r- didn't do. Like, he was a man of integrity, and it screwed him over. This is something that John Candy's character did. And you can tell the sadness comes from knowing that he has done something But he's awful. not entirely sad and re- uh, repenting about it. Like, right. he's kind of bitter and angry. It's, it's, it, it is a real character. Yeah. It's too bad about it's, the rest of the movie. Yeah. But uh yeah, it's it's a it's a good character well played. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it might be worth watching the movie to see him because he really does seem like he really does have his own story going on. Like he is trying to uh cuz he is bitter, he's upset with himself and you can tell maybe the reason he's pushing these guys so hard is a couple things. First off, he knows that he knows the regret that they may feel if they don't you know, do this, but also maybe trying to redeem himself a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's a really strong character and he, and he does uh, wonderfully at it. Uh, the last one I've not seen in a long time, but I know you're a big fan of it is Canadian bacon. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm a defender of Canadian bacon. Yeah. A lot of people don't like it and yeah. it is really, it really hits you over the head uh, yeah. in a lot of places, you know, uh, with, with its Michael Moore-isms. Yeah. You know, um, but it, it it's a movie that benefits from a great cast. Yeah. Um and it has it reuniting uh uh reuniting John Candy with his great outdoor star, uh co star Dan Aykroyd. There's a great scene. Uh I didn't remember Dan Aykroyd was in it. It's just one scene. Okay. Um essentially uh he they write on the side of their R V all these like, you know, the French suck, oh, or the Canadians the, suck. Is he the the not the Mountie, but he's the he's a he's like the motorcycle cop, cop or right. whatever who pulls him over and says, by law in this part of Canada, yeah, you know this is French Canada. Everything has to be written in English and French. So then he yeah. makes him write, you know, all these. That's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, uh, um, yeah. So I like Canadian bacon. Yeah, uh, and I don't remember honestly. I don't remember anything really notable about John Candy's performance in it. I mean, I'm sure it's fine. But uh, I don't remember much about the movie, really at all. I like Ke- Kevin Pollock is good Kevin in it. Kevin Pollock, back when he was doing in stuff in things and good in them. Yeah. What's up? Uh, I mean, I'm sh- you know what? I'm sure Picture This starring Ashley Tisdale was fantastic, <laughs> but I didn't see it. I don't know. <coughs> I don't know what's going on. Like post, you know, post Usual Suspects with Kevin Pollock. The movie Deterrence is not very good, but he's good in it. Really? Yeah. It, yeah, it looked very not very good yeah. to me. It's Rod Lurie who did uh, The Contender. Uh, uh, which I didn't see. Yeah, you shouldn't. But uh, You know, a lot of people like The Contender. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, so yeah, that's all I've got is, uh, you know, is, is those movies. And it's just, yeah, John can't, that, you know, uh, I think we do have some younger listeners. And if you don't know much about John Candy. I feel like everybody may know a little bit about who he is. I mean, I'm sure they've seen him in Home Alone and that kind of thing. But there was a time when he was, you know, he was th- kind of your go-to for a solid comedic performance. Yeah. You know? And I really feel like he could have been another Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. Like, he could be doing movies right now. He could be working with interesting directors, making interesting choices. If he yeah. were alive right now, 
he could be that kind of guy because he had it in him as an actor to do yeah. it. And uh, even when he was in bad movies, the choices he made showed that he was always thinking. Right. You know, and not he was never coasting. Yeah. Um, and I'm at the very least, I'm happy that he that he didn't like that he didn't pass away after you know Spaceballs. That he was that he was around long enough to show you that it's like you know I'm great at doing these things, and he was great. There's nothing wrong with just being a solid comedic actor. I'm great, at, but they don't they don't get any real respect from you know when people talk about great acting. But he was around long enough that he was in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. He was in JFK, his performance in Cool Runnings. That you can, you know, that it is perfectly justified for him to be one of our profiles. You know, yeah. Um, it's not us stretching because it's a guy we happen to like. You know, he's he was a, a great he was a great actor, and uh, and yeah. So go back, watch some of his movies. You will be uh, greatly rewarded. So yes, that's all. Ironic that we've done a long episode yeah. uh, about a sadly truncated career. There you go. See, um, but uh, all right. So any I can uh, be poetic. I yes, indeed. Um, don't, don't doubt it. All right. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, if you have any uh, feedback, battleship pretension at hotmail dot com. Um, anything else that we needed to? No, that's fine. Battleship pretension dot com. Yeah, if you want to, yeah, uh, we ha- you know we post blogs. David has been posting blogs. Finally, I'm I'm, I'm back yeah. at it, back on the yeah on the, if, in the saddle. And if you want to read my view, my opinion of the film Fireproof, I've not seen it, but uh, what it what it represents to me. Um, and then we also, of course, every week we recommend uh, a new movie that you should watch. Uh, and hey, you know, there's always that uh, that donation button. But nonetheless, <laughs> uh, that's that's where you should go for all your battleship pretension needs. And uh, until next week, when we're going to talk about man movies, uh, okay, we'll uh, we'll get you next time. All right, bye, bye. bye.